Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into the proceedings. He is the master of the soundboard, the drama machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Terrific. And the third member of our team, our lockdown corner here on the show, Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. It's always impressive. As Rod, always. I got to tell you, man. I'm always appreciative. I appreciate your filing system. <laughs> and how how organized you keep everything. No, dude, but we've got sickening. to get you like some tabs or no, 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 I something. I mean, no, see, is. he's got his own internal mind computer. It's just like the downloading of files and grabbing look, a file gonna, out of your computer. He is. just mentally has yeah. the files. I'm going to take a picture of what, what it looks yeah. like when Rod is... Like, I think I know exactly. You can take a picture of mine, too, because I got my three over here as well. Matt, well, Matt's I got just the, run uh, in with my handy ones. Matt's got the Steve Spurrier, like, color-coded plate yeah, chart Yeah, exactly. Over there. See, Matt's is impressive. Matt's is a lot more organized. Well, I just mine have less sickening. topics. I'm only working on one thing, Daily Fantasy. You have all these different yeah, topics. Yeah, that's why it's, it's actually it's, yeah, I gotta do something. Well, Rod, I know you've got some notes, thoughts, uh, things you wrote down, things you took yeah. away from the Tom Herman press conference this week. It's the first time we've heard from Tom Herman since the Alamo Bowl. There was no signing day press conference, and that was to be understood. The Texans only had two guys sign. Alfred Collins was later in the day, so and I believe Tom Herman was traveling maybe a little time off because uh, a change in the recruiting calendar, February, is actually a dead month. No on-campus visits, no off-campus visits, so uh, the Texas coaches have nothing to do from a recruiting standpoint. It's all about off-season workouts, so uh, – you know, some time off for Tom Herman a little bit for the staff, yeah. but they're back in the thick of it. Winter workouts, a couple of dates to get to before we get to the meat and potatoes. And, and this edition of the Blitz, we'll be focusing more on kind of the roster moves, the position changes. Tom Herman talked about this week, but spring practice is going to start March 24th. They'll have pro timing day, April 1st, and then the spring game set for April 25th. I like that. So there you go. 
Yeah. A little bit later start the spring ball, but Rod, I guess, with the new staff, that's understandable. I was going to say, they need the, they need the time um, just to get to know each other, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, like, Mark Hagan had gotten to campus, so the press conference was Tuesday. He'd gotten there, like, Monday afternoon. So he's still, like, meeting guys, getting oh, yeah. to know each other and, like... Oh, he was meeting us Learning and names he, of eighty five like, people. No, he really not just not, yeah, not just that. Like he he was meeting us as a media core, and he hadn't even met with John Bianco yet. It's like they had their introduction, like after things were over. It's just kind of everybody's drinking out of a fire hose over there right now. So. Yeah, no, it's a, and I you know what it, it is totally understandable, but I think you know they've already football wise they they know them better than they do the people in terms yeah. of the team. Like they mm-hmm. watched a ton of film on the guys. Yeah. They that's you know funny. What I mean? Like they, they gotta yeah, they, put a face to the name. They gotta put a face to the football, yeah, the football yeah. personality and the football persona. Or the they number, know, but yeah, they've broken down a ton of film. I, I guarantee know fourteen. You, those guys, from what I've heard about Yurcich, I mean, he's obsessive, and so is Chris Ash. So I, those guys have probably been they haven't been sleeping. They've been watching a ton of film. Just want to trying to kind of digest the personnel, the skill sets. You know who needs to be uh, coached up where in their new system. Who's gonna fit in best? All that kind of stuff. Well, Fascinating. When we talk about the roster, let's start on offense because I think there's more. I want to circle back to defense and finish with that, Rod, because I know some of it intertwines with some things we talked about, especially yeah. the nickel position, and we'll get to that. But let's start on offense where, as we've expected, Roshan Johnson's going to stay at running back. I don't think anybody has any issue with that. When you look at the quarterback room this spring, you've obviously got Sam Ellinger coming back as a senior You've got Casey Thompson as a third-year sophomore now going into his third spring since he was an early enrollee. Yeah. And then you've got Hudson Card as a true freshman. So, Rod, with three scholarship quarterbacks, it was going to be tough for your fourth guy to get reps. I think we can all agree Hudson Card needs as much work as, as he possibly can get, especially learning this new offense, digesting and everything. So that would be one reason to keep Roshan Johnson running back. The other is I think we can all agree his upside's pretty damn high at that position. Yeah, and his NFL potential, uh, he has more of a Sunday skill set at running back than quarterback. Yes. If you want to just break it down. But yeah. that's not an insult to him. That's just because he was just, honestly, you can argue it's a compliment to his athleticism. <laughs> right. Um, the fact that he can switch positions like that so seamlessly and still actually at times be the best. He was the best running back for Texas, the best option that they had at running back. So I think for him, uh, that's how you sell it. You can see a lot of this is – Coaches being able to sell these position changes to the players. We talked about this. That's and it's different ways. Tom Herman talked about you know when he talked to Demarvion Overshone that the NFL you know scouts he talked to they they said hey this is you know we see him as a linebacker at the next mm-hmm. level whatever it was like that's how he sold it to him. I would have sold it to him with that and you know I'd have made the position special for him. I think ideally you know Overshone moving to what Will, Will moving to the Will linebacker. Yeah. I think you want him to be Isaiah Simmons. If, and I'm saying he's going to be that. <laughs> All right, no, I mean that guy's going to be a top ten pick at safety linebacker, whatever the hell he is. But in terms of being able to utilize that specific skill set for a, a guy who's that got that freakish size and range and skill and speed. Isaiah Simmons, that's what Clemson maximized that guy. I don't know what he's going to be in the NFL level. Nobody really does because he they they used him in such a, a versatile manner of ways. He was, you know, multifarious for them. Um, right. And I think that's how you want DeMarvion Overshone to be in the end. But right now you got to master just something. So right now we're going to get you to master Will. When you master Will, 
Oh, then we're going to start moving you all around, doing some other things. Yeah. But right now, yeah, you got to give them the master one thing. Can I ask you a philosophical football question? Go ahead. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm way off on this. Football theory, baby. I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here, but this just uh, – I was thinking about the overshone thing, and we'll get back to offense because there's a lot to get to there. But the overshone thing got me thinking. If the late Sean Taylor played football today, mm-hmm. there you go. Would Sean Taylor basically be Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, it'd be the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Just because of where the game has gone yeah. since then. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's just versatility. Like he can literally be exactly that chess piece we always envision on the offensive end. It's yep. the defensive reactive component totally that can totally guard every <laughs> single thing that comes at him. And he's immediate matchup nightmare because you don't know where he's gonna be <laughs> and he's what, weaponized. And he can be effective in almost any of those positions as a pass rusher, as a linebacker, as an Whatever outside linebacker. You, if you manipulate as a deep the matchup. Yeah. It's exactly. just funny to hear people talk about Isaiah Simmons like, Oh, we've never seen anything like this before and yeah, I'm thinking yeah. Yeah, I have his name was Sean Taylor. Well, yeah, and they've had but Derwin James. Different. They've had Derwin James and you know Jamal Adams and Minka Fitzpatrick, and so we've we you know I mean it's been trending that way with these guys Le- who have that skill set. What Levante David became in the NFL, Levante but he wasn't used David that was way in like college. That too, yeah. yeah, it's a very good point. I agree with you on that. And honestly, oh man, what's the big safety for the Giants? Landon Collins. Mm-hmm. People thought yeah. would end up being that kind of guy, but I don't think he ever evolved. He, I mean, still a really good player. And I, you know what? I take that back. You know what? He we was in that in that realm too. I take that back. He was he's a good player. Like Dayon Day Buchanan was one of the first guys I remember mm-hmm. being drafted as like a two hundred and twenty five pound yeah, linebacker. I mean, like, well, how's yeah. that going to work? Oh, it does work. Yeah, you just need. Your, I think the the hybridism, the multiplicity on the defensive side of the ball is honestly where you're going to end up going in the, you know, the 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 up tempo, which Yersich talked about RPO based. Um, you know what I mean, uh, package play-based, you know, league that we're in. And there are no NFL and college plays now. Now it's just all one thing. It's all uh, all morphed into one thing. It's just football plays. In right. that world, I think you need more hybrid defenders, guys who can play. And they got the jack now, right? They announced the jack, all <laughs> right, which is a hybrid linebacker slash, you know, defensive end. Yeah, that's where the game is going, it's honestly. Nathan Basher would be drafted around higher in this this day and age, because you can play safety and play corner, play you can mm-hmm. play all different things. I think it'll help Brandon Jones at the next level. The fact you can because he's got nickel positions. tape. Because he got play. He got, you know, nickel is a hard position to play, man. It really is at at every level. Now you're looking for those guys who can play in the slot and be, you know, what Quandre Diggs. Now Quandre yeah. Diggs is. People love what Quandre Diggs' skill set is. We knew Quandre was valuable here because he had great instincts. He was physical, especially mm-hmm. for a guy his size. He could cover. And he also could be a guy that could, you know, do a, a myriad of things at the defensive back, and he could tackle. Like he, he was almost just a great football player, right. and that, that's why he was a perfect nickel. It's Texas. like the offensive he's inverse perfect, of him yeah. is what a lot what I see in Duvernay. All those skills you just said, oh, but that's Samuel. the wider. Debo Samuel's that one. Well, I mean, the perfect Debo player a, to defend one yeah. of those would be like the Sean Taylor. Like if you think about somebody yeah. like uh, Shanahan's offense when he's trying to concoct the best ma- mismatch, no matter if it's the guy coming in motion, if it's Debo or if it's Greg Kittle or if it's Uzcheck, yeah. Sean Taylor has the skill set to be yeah. able to guard any of those, and very few are able to do such a thing, but then be physical enough totally around agree. the line of scrimmage and that's why somebody like Quandre his body type as a DB coming up and being that nickel to go and defend against those slot receivers but he has actually the stout body type that can actually withstand a little bit more than you would think he would he isn't built like every other 5'9 DB yeah 
No, good, it all depends on the matchup. Good segue, Matt, getting us back to offense. Uh, speaking of hybrid players and slot receivers, we'll start talking about the position moves with Jordan Whittington officially going back to wide receiver. Yeah. We were told it was going to be his decision. And, Rod, Matt and I were talking about this before you got in here. Uh, what if I told you that the – actually, let me ask you, who is the – among the Texas wide receivers, who is the career leader in receptions and receiving yards? Among the, the current, right now, among the current Texas wide receivers, oh, receptions and receiving yards. Oh man, how can I think if there's a veteran randomly in there that's that I'm missing? No, is it Eagles? There it would go. be Brennan Eagles. That's with crazy. Thirty-three catches and five hundred fifty-seven right. yards. Well, when he dropped oh. that name, I was like, well, but I bet that he's not the leader in receptions because no, because the active career leader in receptions on this roster is Keontae Ingram with fifty six. Fifty six. Wow. The uh, among those wide receivers, the Eagles is tied with six career touchdown receptions with Jake Smith. So that tells you the lack of experience you have right now at wide receiver and the uh, need to have Jordan Whittington out there no, just to put as many playmakers on the perimeter as you possibly can. Well, it's always because now you have a you know, you have a blessing, right, of, of riches, you know, embarrassment of riches, if you will, at running back because Bijan Robinson, the five star, comes in. Rojo has completely devoted himself, committed himself to the running back position now, yeah. and you got Keontae Ingram. So because now you got three guys you you trust, you don't know Bijan yet, but he's a five star. So you assume, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be in the mix somewhere. He will be. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got Keontae, who's a veteran, and you got Rojo that you know he's your diamond in the rough. You found him out of nowhere. Thank God for for him last season. Now you got three's got those three guys. Yeah, I agree. Jordan Whittington at at wide receiver. But what I loved about the press conference and Tom Herman said it. Actually, maybe one of my favorite moments of the press conference when he said. You know, uh, it, it, without I, he and I, I don't believe he, he was even asked. He said, "You know, we're also going to use Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith at running back too." Mm-hmm. He went out of his way to say it. Nobody asked him. He yeah. was just thinking about Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith. And whoa, also we're going to use him at running back. And ultimately, to me, my dream and fantasy for the offense, it fits in those the, kind of the multiplicity of those two guys. And even the Epps move, which we'll talk about, Epps to tight end, which we know he's not a traditional tight end. He's going to be more of a flex tight end. They're going to put some weight on him. But, you know, those are guys that can give you matchup advantages across the board. So if you think about it, like, think of, think of the, uh, the offense. And Shanahan does this, right? Shanahan's got juice check. So juice check is a tight end. But sometimes also he played tight end mm-hmm. at Harvard. But also now he's at fullback. So mm-hmm. he plays tight end, plays fullback. Uh, but he also plays H-back for him. Every now and then they'll they'll you know shuffle him out there and they'll play the flex or the slot for him. He does so many different things from a down to down basis. Even within the down, he makes the multiple. Yeah. They'll come out in twenty one and somehow end up in eleven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the defense and and your and Yersich talks about how they want to go up tempo. So you combine the up tempo, which means the defense won't be able to sub in and out. And if you can get Jordan Whittington on the field, even remember. Remember the spring game? Because I talked about it all the mm-hmm. time. Remember the spring game? The 849 beginning. left in the second quarter. You I guys remember. know I remember it, all right? First play, they come out in 21 personnel. They go uh, two-by-one formation, um, and they motion Whittington to – I think he comes out of the backfield. They motion him out of the backfield, 
and it's a, it ends up being a play action pass, and Ingram like gets a, a swing screen. And then the second play, it was two by one formation, twenty one personnel, two backs, one tight end, and they go uh, they motion Whittington to the weak side and throw a quick screen to Jordan Whittington coming out of the backfield. And it's Jordan Whittington and Ingram while you're two running backs in the backfield, by the way. And then they go two-by-two two formation, all right, same 21 personnel for the third play, and then they motion out uh, Whittington into the slot, and they end up and Ingram out, and they end up going empty when they motion Ingram out to the wide side of the field. And they end up in empty formation, Devin Duvernay ends up right open on a 23-yard crossing route because he's matched up in the slot on a linebacker mm-hmm. or a safety. Mm-hmm. I got to go back and watch which one it is. But just showing you point, I think they know that with Jordan Whittington on the field, he's the guy. He's their juice check. He can make them multiple. If he's on the field at all times, you can go from 21, per, 21 uh, personnel to 11 personnel. Mm-hmm. Hell, even you can go from a, a 10 personnel look if you want to with Cade Brewer uh, in four wide formation. And motion back. You know what I mean? The, the shifts, they're almost infinite. The, and it, it's, it, think about that. If you put Jake Smith mm-hmm. on the field with Whittington, two guys who are both basically running backs with wide receiver tendencies or wide receivers with running back tendencies, however you want to phrase it, think about it's like a Rubik's Cube. Well, it's right? Just, a Rubik's Cube has what, like 43 quintillion different combinations and possibilities mm-hmm. because of all these different uh, different variables. And yep. same thing with Jake Smith, same thing with Jordan Whittington. You get them on the field at the same time. And I would say that with Epps too yeah. because he can be a wide receiver and a tight end. The, the, the possibilities are infinite, and the defense will not be able to adjust if you have just one adjustment that if they come out – trying to defend your 21 personnel with heavy set with their with their three linebackers, then you know, okay, with our 21 personnel, with Jordan Whittington and with Jake Smith on the field, we're going to go empty formation, mm-hmm. all right? And we're going to match their linebackers on our safeties, and we're going to go hurry up, and then we're just going to pick at that wound until it becomes a festering, infectious, you know what I mean, pus uh, field sore, and then they'll have to either call a timeout to adjust to it, or we're going to score points. You know what I mean? Like, it, it really is that yeah. simple to me, and I think you can do that in a number of ways, but it does kind of revolve around the development of Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington, and Malcolm Epps. Yeah, and the main thing, uh, like, when you were talking about that, totally reminded me of seeing how Joe Brady at the Saints used his players and how what was the Kamar role or Edwards Hilaire who would become just Moss. a— Moss. He used yeah. Thaddeus Moss and like that. And that was yeah. the Moss tight was end that was his yeah. flex out that would we would see maybe is Epps being able to play that role. And the thing is, is once you be able to get the more pieces that are interchangeable, and this is why yeah. we criticized— Even at times, though, we criticized— the succinct, like exact roles of our receivers, that they were not even interchangeable for one another. Because when you start to talk about all the machinations, and if you're able to get, say, a running back that can also flex out to tight end to also be out at wide receiver, like you did with the use check type guy, well, you know, now you're opening up a portal of literally like 15 more combinations that other teams just cannot have mathematically because you have only five skill guys. And if you're already penciling in, in three receivers to distinct roles, then mathematically, if you can't interchange those guys with them, it really does make you so much more predictable. But if you have something like Juszczyk, where you have 
him being able to motion to all five spots and then have wide receivers that are interchangeable, you can get to the point that you literally have 120 different combinations exactly when right. you go down from five times four times three times two if they were to all be interchangeable. Now, very few of the running backs or tight ends, normally you can't because a tight end can only flex out. Tight ends can't come back. So then yeah, it's more of a four times three times two times, but that's still But if you're San good. Fran and yes. you have Debo Samuel and you have Juice Check yep. and you have Kittle, yes. Kittle is a guy that basically He even comes he's, into he's, that play fullback. Exactly. He yes. plays fullback for him. He plays H-back for him. So you're Hell, talking if they split out Kittle, you can't. You better put a corner on. Yeah, hell, he's, going he's a dead tight end. So all of those different things, I agree with you. There's 120 I, spots, yeah, so, but right. if you go and That's take it to the point it. that you have specific roles of your receivers, and now you only have like say one receiver that can motion in and one tight end that can motion out, you're starting to get a couple multiplicity, but it's still only six to eight Agreed. combos. It's superficial. So it's once you can add up these type of guys or get them interchangeable together, it really does make it to where the opponents just have a never-ending laundry list of possibilities in defend. their mind that they cannot they then anything. play a trend they in become a quick title trend. Exactly. They become Tyler Lando. There you go. Just, <laughs> it's just, pretty you know, crazy he, to think about it, but it's that is. simple. Because he, in your, in your sister's talks about it, he said, the reason we go up-tempo is to disrupt the communication of the defense and another reason that you do it is so they won't be able to sub in and out. Keep they the can't, mismatch once you engineer the mismatch, the mismatch. Just put your 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 eleven players out there. If you got mm. three hybrids out there, which Whittington and uh, Jake Smith and Elps are, then you can if you know how to freak it and you know how to adjust. There's mm. no way to really defend it. You'll find the mismatch. There's a mismatch on the field with one of those three guys. Yeah. You just have to shift and motion and be able to find it. You got a senior quarterback in Sam Ellinger. Give him the check. Yeah. Give him the ability to manipulate the numbers. If they come out trying to defend the run with heavy personnel, then that's easy. Let's go empty and let's put Jordan Whittington in the slot, Jake Smith in the slot on one side, and Epps, and let's figure out, all right, where's the mismatch? Yep. It's pretty easy to find. And if they want to defend with five DBs and six DBs, all right, that's pretty easy too. Then we'll go heavy personnel. We'll turn one of those guys into a blocker, and we'll win the numbers advantage that way because – I mean, think about it. Even with, let's say you want to go. And Eagles has played a lot of positions. And now you can go 12 personnel. You got good tight ends, right? You got good tight ends. So, Kate Brewer and your good tight ends. And you can use Epps or not if you want to. But I think if you develop those tight ends, you can get to the point. Because Shanahan loves to use 12 personnel, too. I know we're bringing Mm -hmm. up Shanahan a lot. But he's one of those top He's one of the engineers. Yes. And with your 12 personnel, dude, you can go from 12 with Whittington on the field. You You can go to 22. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. If they want to go, yeah. if they want to defend you with DBs, you can end up going to twenty-two spread with, with Epps on the field. Then you can spread them back out to end up going eleven because you got Whittington and Epps on the field. It's a that's where the I missing mean, you, piece would be yeah, the tight end for Texas. Yeah, though, the tight, that end. tight end. But now you you got I think you got a tight end. You can you can money ball it as Jeff says because you got Cade Brewer who's a staple. But then you can freak them. You ain't got You ain't got to go to all these different. Yeah combos and sets but choose one you like choose a 21 personnel package or the don't be all 11 all the time in my opinion i think i think they got to get out of that because your, your your personnel is too diversified yeah. you know get into 12 personnel get into 21 every now and then well, and, smith, and be able and to manipulate the guys. defense I, you look I, at those feature guys being smith in the interchangeable part of whittington it makes it easier for them to be able to do that like yeah. uh, the more i think about it the more it, it's probably the most frustrating game to watch last season was the TCU game because when Kay Brewer goes out with the ankle injury, they bring in Reese Leto and Jared Wiley, who Tom Herman would later say probably aren't ready for that kind of role. Yeah. 
in the 43 plays, official snaps they had with Cade Brewer out of the game, they were in 11 personnel for 42 of them. And the one they weren't, they were in 12 personnel. Yeah. And I'm like, so you got Roshan Johnson and Keontae Ingram. They ran the slot fade once with Devin Duvernay, got a touchdown off of it, and never went back to it, and yet you just stuck with 11 personnel the whole game. Why? You knew what the problem was, and you didn't solve the problem. Exactly. And I mean, you don't have Cade Brewer. You don't have a legitimate tight end. So if you don't have a legitimate tight end, then go to what your strength is. Your strength was wide receivers. You should have been spreading them out, going 10 personnel, and then being having a package to be able to run out of 10 personnel. Because you can run out of 10 personnel. Especially the NFL, with the quarterback. The, in, exactly, the NFL is just learning this with the Arizona Cardinals. They act like it's an epiphany. Mm-hmm. They're like, the Arizona Cardinals are like top five in yards per carry in the league. Yeah. It's amazing. They have no they don't have a great O-line. David Johnson's been hurt. They just traded for Kenyon Drake. We can't understand why. It's like, yep, well, it's math is what it yeah. is because right. they're running 10 personnel. So you're going to match up with their four wide receivers across the board. Now yep. run it all the time, but they run it majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And they run it more than anybody else in the NFL. By and then when far. you match up with your five five DBs to go with their four wide receivers, then they have the advantage in the box. It is just mm-hmm. that simple. Like it ain't, and with it ain't the QB run and when your fastest guy on your entire team's your quarterback, <laughs> yeah. it makes it so much easier. Exactly. To, and that's why and Chase Edmonds can have some of those insane games because it's just manipulating well, somebody that's not adjusting to that. Well, and when Kyler Murray is your plus the one, and it does help to have a quarterback that is a kind of a freak in the running game, but when he's your plus one, then you outnumber him in the running game and you can do all types of Freaky, you can use all kind of cheat codes to RPOs. Hell, you know their RPOs are what I call zone read RPOs. They're they're Z RPOs. You know what I mean? Because they still have the zone read as a part of the RPO, but then they could he can keep it, or he could decide to run it as a quarterback, hand it off, or he could decide to pass it on a pop pass. I mean, it could go a number of ways. More things to defend, and yeah, that's why they're successful running. You don't always have to just have. A, a clear advantage on the offensive line. Schematically, you can still find ways to run the football, even out of a spread look. Yeah. Tom Herman, needs, they need to do that, too. I mean, that needs to be a part of this this new transformation that you can spread people out and yet let Sam Ellinger and your veteran running backs or your featured backs and so many talented backs in the backfield, they can be able to just win one-on-one battles up front. Yeah, and to numbers for what you were just saying, when Arizona, the rest of the NFL, never had more. We had Seattle with 79 plays in four wide. Arizona, 205. Nobody else yeah. over 40. Yeah, so you had 48 for one other. So basically, like almost the entire NFL's bottom 27 teams didn't combine for as much as for. And it was strictly sort of what you were saying, yeah. the idea of just the air raid and being able to use the space on the field to vacate bodies from the box and then exactly go right. to whatever's open yeah, in the it, space. It's interesting, too, how football evolves and one thing begets another and you can trace it back at some point to – something that was taking place in the 20s and 30s. Rod, what you're talking about is basically the new millennium version of the triple option. Exactly what it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just, you're, just totally doing, you're just doing it from the shotgun, and instead of multiple mm-hmm. run reads, you got multiple pass reads. Exactly what it is. Hell, didn't Mike, Mike Gundy said that. Yeah, right. Well, and that's talking about Oklahoma. He he's like, he's like, basically, he's like, it's yeah. a wishbone. They're just doing it from the shotgun and throwing the ball. And, and instead of yeah. the pitchman playing the edge rusher, a run pass options, just playing that quick linebacker, and you're making the one person commit with the numbers mismatch on the two on one, identify in the in middle conflict. of the play, and manipulate. Put a it. defender in conflict. Put a defender in conflict and force him to make a hell of a play. Yep. 
And I, two guys. You know, we didn't see enough of that last year. Tech. That's why I like your sister coming in. I like, as I said, those moves that they're, you know, the, the Jordan Whittington, the wide receiver, but, but, but the the Kim Kardashian size, but, no, we're going to use him at running back too. And so we're going to do the same thing with Jake Smith. I love that. I don't think they did enough of that with Devin DuVernay, honestly. They right. did more of that with DuVernay. And we saw DuVernay, you can maybe count on one hand the number of times they motioned him into the backfield and handed him the ball. Got a touchdown off it in the West Virginia game. Oh, no. Just didn't see enough of it. I, and I think that's when you hear you hear Mike Yersich talk, as he did this week, and you hear Tom Herman talk about where they want the offense to go, it's pretty clear, Rod, that he realizes now they left a lot of meat on the bone last year. I, and they just no got question. they've got to be more diverse. They've got to be they've got to have a better plan on how to get your playmakers involved. And I know that sounds simple, but man, it is. You, yeah. you can't for you to have as good of a year statistically as you had and to be eight and five, something was amiss. Something was amiss. Um having, you know, Duvernay have the kind of year that he had, having Sam be the caliber of quarterback that he is. John, I know Colin Johnson was hurt every now and then. But even Brennan Eagles had a pretty damn good year for a guy who had his first kind of starting year as a starter on offense. Keontae Ingram um, and four, Rojo. Four 100-yard games. I think Roshan Johnson had two or three. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they were in it, – it, it just didn't – it didn't – it's almost like the Cowboys. Like, with the, you know, Dak's great stats. And you go look at Zeke and the rush. You're like, man, are you serious? Man, that, those guys had great years, and yet it didn't yeah. – it didn't it didn't result in wins and that means there's a there's something lost in the translation it should have been it should have added up to more wins there were crucial times where texas was out coached and that's clearly the case cuz we are meeting new coaches the uh the move of Whittington to wide receiver i know he's going to be in the slot but he's got enough size that if you want to put him outside at some point and yeah. really be diverse you can i just love and matt mentioned this earlier it didn't didn't go in depth, but you mentioned it, Matt. So I want to get back to it. You know, Brendan Eagles now knows the X and the Z position in this offense. Joshua Moore knows H and he knows Z. So now you've got guys that have cross trained multiple positions, Rod, mm-hmm. to where we're talking about now. Now when you get into the up tempo stuff, if you tell Joshua Moore, "Hey, go to H this possession," it's not going to freak him out. Yep, positionless have- football. And, and the other thing too, the Josh Moore situation, that still is what it is. And Tom Herman kind of clarified his suspension was for games last year. He still practiced with the team. He was on the practice squad. I saw him at the bowl game on the practice squad wearing the the, the black jersey. And yeah. we would see him every now and then this year with the black jersey basically playing the other team's best receiver on the scout team. That was kind of his role. So that legal situation, it sounds like it's getting close to reaching a resolution that I think will result in him being able to play in 2020. So now you're talking about a guy that has the ability to take the top off a of defense. You had Whittington out there. If you can get an, a better idea of what you're doing with Jake Smith, I, I, Marcus Washington spurts last year. I still don't know why John Burt was getting more run than him, but that's drama for another day. Um, yeah, you know Tom Herman likes veterans, though. He's all about, you know, the veteran presence proving something in practice. But I like I, I like the potential of this receiver group a whole heck of a lot. One thing I do want to talk about is the tight end position, and I know we just went over it a lot, but to me it's the most intriguing position in the whole program because you've got a guy like Cade Brewer who, I mean, at this point, can we call Cade Brewer just a, a, pretty, a pretty solid Steady. hand? And your on your on your NFL hit rate and bust rate uh, theory and study, 
um, that has been ongoing forever. He would just be right now a starter, just a starter. Yeah, the just starting, the starting caliber player. Starting yeah. caliber Not player. Not on that NFL level, but, but he's, he's exactly what you think yeah. of when you think of a tight end. Yeah. No, he's, he's, been, he's been steady. And that's, by the great. way, that's not exactly. an insult. Yeah, nope. that's, he's a good player. But uh, waiting for him to take the next step as a five-tool tight end? I don't know that not he's going to get there. He's a, he's, a, he he's, a, he's a three-tool tight end. So and you've the got two him. tools he's missing, i got to figure you've out. You've got Brewer. You've got Reese Latow. But then the rest of those guys are the three, they're one-dimensional the, tight ends. The three, but the three, the three guys you've got, I think this is the challenge. This is the challenge for Mike Yersich, for Tom Herman, and and for Jay Bolwer as the tight ends coach. Can you develop Braden Lybrock, Jared Wiley, and or Malcolm Epps if you can get two of those three to where you can rely on them for a decent number of snaps per game? It completely changes what you do at that position. I totally agree. Can change the complexion of the offense. I, you know, Cade Brewer. Like I said, I'm with you. You know, he's steady. He's uh, he's great. Uh, Reese Reese Latow. I mean, he's another guy, right? You gotta try. I mean, I think did Reese Latow get the most tight end snaps behind? Um, yeah, Cade Brewer probably. Yep. So he's another guy. You gotta you gotta start. To, I mean, as a receiving threat, he was a non-factor. Yeah, I can't remember him going out on a route. Actually, I'm trying that, to remember. That's the thing. Like, you know what I mean, like they, he was a one-dimensional tight end. You can mm-hmm. one-dimensional tight ends, unless you're Sean Payton. It's hard to use those. It almost guys. just tips off what you're doing. You know what I mean? Right. Well, exactly. Unless your 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 formations and your schemes are so deceptive, which or is Sean unless Payton you're is. using him as deception. Yeah. So I, I yeah, for he, they, I'm with you. They got to develop Reese Latow. You got to develop, you know, Jared Wiley. You know, turn those guys into multi-dimensional tight ends. Not just a guy that's out there who's a, a great blocker or a glorified fullback or one guy who can, you know, run routes for you. You know, you want a guy that can at least be able to, number one, be able to be a receiving threat. Number two, be able to be a factor in the running game as a blocker or a factor in the passing game as a blocker. Yeah. And I don't think, other than Cade Brewer, I don't know if any of those guys – or more than one dimension. That's why I said it, it's, it's, a, it's the most fascinating position on this roster to me to figure out. That's why Epps is there. Can, can you get Epps. something out of a couple of those guys? Man, if they can do, if they can turn Epps into that, if they, with the strength and conditioning staff, add some pounds to him, I don't know how much, and then turn him into a guy that's at least effort-wise a ferocious blocker because his size and just effort alone, he'll be effective enough. He's not going to be you know George Kittle. He's not going to. Paying cake guys, you know, I don't see that right now. But if this is if you can get him just excited about blocking and taking pride in it and having effort in it, because right now he's a we I described him as a Great Dane yesterday. You know, what I mean he's mm-hmm. he's and the Great Danes are awesome. They're huge. If you ever been around a Great Dane, they're majestic and you're almost frightening to be around sometimes. And you realize they're just teddy bears. Like yes, Great Dane. Like huge they, they, you teddy get too bear. loud, a Great Dane will like kind of shiver. Great Danes are not. You know, what I mean they're not really bred to be attacked. Off. They're big. They're just big sweethearts. Like big bovine. Yeah, and that's <laughs> they, unfortunately that is Malcolm Epps right now. He's huge and majestic. But not really physical, and for some reason, it doesn't have a, a catch radius. Should be larger for a guy that size. And that's because he's not physical and ferocious enough at the point of attack. So uh, that, that's just a mentality thing. To me, to me, Malcolm Epps' issue is less about the physical talent, more about his mentality as a guy that is six freaking. Because you've six, seen him so jump before. Hell he is. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, no, I've seen like, him be. I've like, seen him both. I've it's seen him accidental be athleticism he's displayed. Like as you yeah. said, like that he it, you can tell like he, he isn't going full speed. Who knows if the game hasn't slowed down for him? What is yeah. causing him? Because you've seen flashes oh, no within question. the body type, but I, then I know you wonder why when the fifty fifty balls up there and it's like he it's isn't higher I'm than like, oh my god, he's gonna, he's and gonna then do something he crazy, and it's like he just goes over. I'm like, dude. 
What? What's going on here? I'm waiting for you to do something, but Colin, that's what we see from Colin Johnson, and we're waiting for that, and that's a that, bad That's what, you know, Jared, Jared Wiley's almost the opposite, right? Like, the physical stuff is there with him. Like, he's willing to stick his nose in there yeah. and mix it up. It's just, can he become enough of a well-rounded receiver to be relied upon consistently? The play. physical yeah. tools are there for him to do it. It's just, yeah. can he get there? And then with Braden Lybrock, you're talking about Rod Again, one of those one-dimensional guys, tremendous receiver. But I, to me, if you're if you're looking at a guy that's got a chance, and I, I don't know if this is his ceiling or not, a guy that's got a chance to be kind of Bo Scaife, David Thomas. To me, it's Brayden Lybrock, just from the standpoint of a guy whose receiving skills are good enough to get him on the field. Can he do what those two guys did, and by the time he leaves Texas, become a complete, legitimate five-tool tight end? And and the truth is, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up <clears throat> on my show and and even here on the Blitz. You know that 2004 Texas team. It was uh, if you go look in the backfield, right? That backfield is what's a said B in that backfield. That's, is Jamal is Jamal Charles there? Jamal no. Charles is there. Yeah. Jamal no, Jamal Charles, Charles is not there. Ramon Taylor is there. No, no Ramon Taylor is yeah. Ramon Taylor there. Yes. Ramon Taylor is there. Ramon so Will that Matthews. backfield, Selvin Young is in that mm-hmm. backfield, right? As a freshman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that backfield was it, it was loaded, and if you remember, they played a lot of twelve personnel, a lot of one back, two tight ends, because both Scaife and Dave Thomas was all, was on the field a lot together. Uh-huh. They were on the field a ton together. And you only had Tony Jeffrey, really. Yeah, receiver. exactly, exactly. You didn't have great receivers. You had, like, one or two guys. It was Texas, so you didn't have, So, I actually love – think about the running backs you have right now. You Selvin got, actually was limited to two games that also year. Said, yeah, Selvin didn't play. Well, you had he was B. a freshman there, but you he had was on B, that team. So, you didn't, yeah, you didn't really need him. And I, I, I realized Ramont was uh, also the uh, fresh, freshman, didn't you yeah. say? No, Ramont only year, had Ramont. 28 carries. I mean, you're, it was just you're, said B. Your rushing numbers you're, in terms of carries, uh, Cedric Benson, 326, Vince Young, 167. The, so next, you the had, next closest was Will Matthews with 38. So it was a V. It was a, <laughs> it, basically your rushing attack because it was VY and it was said B. And I, obviously, VY is a different phenomenon. Ramon's on the end around. But in terms of just stealing different concepts and trying to steal some of the ideas to help you maximize the talent you have, that they're tight end room. If you, I'm, like, I'm with you. If you can ever get anything out of one other guy other than Cade Brewer, Malcolm Ebbs or Reese Latow or any of those guys, Lee Brock, any of those guys. Man, you can start getting into 12 personnel packages, serious, legit 12 personnel packages, where I, like how Iowa State does, right? Yeah. Where teams literally have to respect the fact that you can just run downhill on them because you got legit blockers, or you can decide, no, 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 these guys can get open on your linebackers and your safeties. They're not going to be David Thomas and, and Bo Scaife. Hmm. No, they ain't got that. It was what but, the Patriots <laughs> had originally with Gronk and, and Hernandez because her, yeah, no that doubt. was a power run game back then in like, it was. The, like 2011 they were going there. And it's route. a simple math problem, right? It's like, okay, I got two tight ends. What are they doing? Do they have five to six DBs? Are they defending the pass? If they're going to defend the pass, then we're going to line them up double tight and we're going to run downhill. If they're going to put linebackers in, three to four linebackers to defend the run because they think we're going to run it on them, then let's spread these great tight ends out and let's find that matchup mm-hmm. or mismatch on the linebackers. Hell, Baltimore's simple doing it right now. Yeah, the so Ravens. I, if they, man, that's that's why it, man, it makes life a whole lot easier for Sam if you can get – you know, two or three of those tight ends to function at a high level. And the, thing just, I, the thing I like about it, sorry, man, the thing I like about it too is something we always talk about. If you can get to where you legitimately can have a 12 personnel package be something you can get in as a base package, oof. well, in a short week, you're just giving somebody else, that, that's a defensive coordinator's got to waste 
a couple practice periods. I'll figure out, okay, here, here's they do run 12 personnel. We'll try to figure out what they're doing. And you might not run 12 that week, but at least they've got, a, they've got to waste time figuring out what you're going to do out of it if totally it becomes agree. an effective formation for you, totally grouping agree. for you. Yeah. And it never really clicked in my mind because people kept on talking all year, like, what is this Baltimore Ravens offense like? And what we just talked about, like that 4 Texas team was built very similar to the way that Baltimore – Built their running attack and their team with That's their tight bad. ends, and then That's you have one wide receiver, maybe two with Jeffrey and Ramones was a vertical threat that would be an end around guy. But like when they had just Lamar and the ability to have two tight ends, where Andrews was your scape almost, like your guy that was the yeah. overall threat, but your Hayden Hurst was your young like first round pick tight end type guy. That's your D Tom, and then you have the running back in the game in there. I mean, it just seemed similar personnel wise that Texas was running then, and they sort of spawned that offseason the idea of the zone read and there was the time of the emergence of the pistol so like those things weren't even in vogue yet but it was just weird to see yeah. how that's came full circle 15 years later yeah, looking back at that 2004 texas team tony jeffrey was your leading receiver with 33 catches he only went for 437 and two touchdowns uh 34 receptions the both yeah. gave 26 catches to 348 and two touchdowns david thomas and, and when Vince Young really got when he when VY started to really take off, you saw David Thomas yep. emerge even nice, more. Beautiful safety. Da- David Thomas averaged over seventeen yards a catch that year because he was that safety blanket. Every time that defense started collapsing on VY, he improvised, kept the play alive. Go look at how many of those David Thomas crossed the middle. David Thomas beating a linebacker to the corner. <laughs> I remember my my kind of epiphany <laughs> yeah. epiphany moment for what Vince Young could be just thinking forward to 2005 was that Rose Bowl against Michigan. And there was one play where it's like a little read option, almost like a little pop pass. And almost like a zone. you see it's David Thomas re- leak yeah. out yeah. and the safety's got to make a decision. If I come up and take Vince Young, he's going to throw for a touchdown. If I cover David Thomas, he's going to run for it. And just thinking like, wow, you can have this almost every play where you're just putting that safety of that linebacker in a constant conflict situation. And no matter what you who cares? <laughs> US, in the USC game, that's how you end up with 10 for 80 for D-Tom. And then yeah. you also, whenever well, they don't commit to him, it's Vince running for 267. Well, and, 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 you know, and, and we'll get, obviously, talk Texas here because I know we're kind of getting off here. But this is what the NFL has finally figured out about the quarterback position, and it is beautiful. And it's that, you know what, I'll take the high risk with the ball player at quarterback now. That's better. And I know that was a prototype, but it's worth the high risk having a guy that, yes, he may throw more picks or he may not be as accurate or, you know, whatever your uh, – he may not be the prototype, whatever your criticism of him is. But a Deshaun Watson, um, a Lamar Jackson, a Kyler Murray – um, you know, Josh Allen, even, you know, these guys, their potential for boom over bust is exponentially higher than the guys that you, the, the safer pick, the safer yep. option, just because they fit in a certain mode, in a certain prototype, and they uh, come, you compartmentalize the quarterback position. And that's what basically we're talking about with VY. That's why he changed the game. And that's mm-hmm. why, that's what's happening now in the NFL. That's why it's, they're going to take chances on more and more quarterbacks like that. Oh, yeah. Because if that's VY would have landed with Harbaugh, yeah. it would have been like this, well, at this they, time period, it would just be a different yeah. world. Like to that risk yeah. wasn't being well, taken. Well, Patrick Mahomes, too. Like he was a gunslinger, but oh, yeah. Andy Reid was like, no, 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 in the right system, I can synthesize this guy, minimize the mistakes, <laughs> maximize the reward, and watch what I come up with. And, and same thing with Lamar Jackson, yeah. with John. Harbaugh and the same thing is happening hopefully 
Well, I don't know. With Deshaun Watson. Yeah, or maybe, or maybe well, not. Well, know, well, it's the same thing with Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> like, they tried yes, that with Trubisky, but, but mean, it didn't work. But it's yeah. the boom bust, the hyper athlete yeah. that can also have yeah. a sustained passing and, game that we can build something new age around his skill set. And, and not even new age. Just remix. Yeah. Just yeah. steal ideas Remix the old the stuff. Pads. Yeah. Just go steal. Yeah. Why many times we tell Tom Harmon, steal that play. Mm-hmm. STB, steal that play. Go yeah. steal that There's concept. no proprietary stuff yeah, that you don't get sued for. Sam Ellinger there ain't be no great trademarks. And getting back to Texas, Sam Ellinger, you know, he is a unique talent. At how many times do we say Sam Ellinger is not really a quarterback? Sam Ellinger was a great football player. Sam Ellinger is a really good athlete that we're trying to turn into a great football player who happens to play the quarterback position. And now you're trying to refine that skill set to play quarterback at a really high level. And by the way, he's he's performing mm-hmm. at an extremely high level. But I yeah. think that's where the bam, bam, Sam and all that comes from. Sam's just a really good football player in the yeah. end. And it's now, like the idea that Tebow, what Tebow could have been a H backer of Titan that we talked about. Same Sam's thing. that Sam type of is kind of like that. Yeah, I totally agree. So, and that's why he gets a Tebow comparison. So it, it almost to me is a disservice when Tom Herman and you know the offensive staff when they don't use that more. Like t- there's so many plays I look and go, damn, Sam should be running that play. You know what I mean? Like that. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. play. Sam is great for that play, mm-hmm. and I don't see that type of creativity to, to maximize his right. talent. So. Those are the moves on offense. Just to recap, Roshan Johnson sticking at running back, Jordan Whittington the wide receiver, Malcolm Epps the tight end, and Joshua Moore with the team going to practice in a full tilt capacity. We'll see what happens with the legal situation if he can play in games in 2020. Yeah. Going over to defense, we already talked about the Demarvion Overshone move from safety to linebacker, and the the terminology is just going to change. You've just got to get used to it. So the the Mac and the Rover are out as far as your two inside linebacker positions. It's now the Mike and the Will, just being Old a little school. bit a little bit more traditional with how you're labeling your positions. And the B backer Rod, you hit on it earlier, is now the Jack linebacker. And Jack. He's it, it's not you're you're not going to notice. Well, you probably will notice it because it, it's it's kind of a significant change but you know the, the thing that frustrated me a lot about Todd Orlando's three-man front was the fact that he kept his ends pinched in tight so often All and the time. It, it, I, makes I, it so I tough to defend the edge I mean, yeah and I don't know if so it was tough. just a fear of teams lining up and running it down your throat and and nobody was nobody's able to do that against Texas but it didn't matter if you're asking your nickels and jokers to set the edge against 300-pound guards all day, well, teams can gash you in the run, and you can be really strong up the middle, and it doesn't matter. So you're going to see the ends play wider shades, and the jack linebacker is what's going to allow you to be more of a true four-man front. He's going to be a stand-up outside linebacker. Be playing more towards the line of scrimmage. What he did in the Alamo Rushing Bowl. the passer, exactly. His Alamo Bowl role is what he'll play now the entire season. Which it, all all Chris Ash or Tom Herman would have to tell me go. is, if I ask the question, is is Joseph Osai going to be dropping 15 <laughs> yards in coverage more than maybe twice a season? If you tell me no, then be like, okay, cool, great. Schematically, call, call that position whatever you want to call it. Schematically, teams are going to try to get him out of the box, and that should be their that should be their uh, you know their duty, their responsibility. You shouldn't be taking him out of the box with your defensive scheme because there is be a choice him, that can be made yeah, with the coach. He should be pass rushing end. or run stuffing. And if yes, a great offensive mind like Mike Gundy or Lincoln Riley ends up with their scheme, putting him back in coverage because they specifically isolate him as a defender and kind of build 
formation around getting him out of the box, right. I totally get that. Like in basketball, that getting a switch, engineering <laughs> the switch yeah, to get the bad defender. But some, too, way too often last year, the scheme would have him dropping back in coverage or covering some zone in coverage, and I'm, and somebody else blitz some safety blitzing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 don't blitz the safety. Just blitz O-side. The closer guy. Have him coming. Well, not, not that because mm-hmm. he's special. Yeah, it's it's different when yes, I understand trying to deceive the offense and get pressure with deception and simulated pressure and all that, but when you have when you discovered Osai, when you discovered that oh, this guy's got a Sunday skill set. Oh, when he's pass rushing, he's our best pass rusher. When he's run stuffing. He's our best run stuffer. There's an argument that sometimes when he's driving back in zone coverage, he's your best zone defender. He proved that a couple of times too. But my point is <laughs> to his what, own detriment, basically. But, but the, exactly. But the, you, it's a coach. You're a problem solver. Solve the problem. What was your problem? Couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. Okay, who can help you uh, solve and remedy that issue? Well, Joseph Asai is your best pass rusher in these pass rushing. With the All most right, minimal you know amount of changes. Exactly. He's pass rushing. As much as we can do it. If anytime there's a anytime they're passing, he's pass rushing. What 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 about when they're running? Well, he's run stuffing. He's just gonna set the edge every damn time. We got a problem setting the edge. He's gonna set one edge. The other edge will will overcompensate. We'll bring another defender over there, so we'll have numbers in the edge that way. They never solved the problem, and I didn't understand in the Alamo Bowl everything that we had been begging for, screaming for to put them. In, in the front seven to put him at the line of scrimmage, they did that more. And look at what happened. Joseph Beside was the best version of himself. It just was. It was. It, I didn't get it. I was stupefied by it, man. There was, was a point fight. in the season where I understood kind of what they were doing by playing him in more of a true linebacker role. But then after a couple of games of watching that, I didn't decide I didn't want to die on that hill. I was like, no, this is stupid. You should have him. You should have him playing off the edge. Make him. Edge. Make him your Sergio Kendall. Yeah. And Maybe next happen. year he could do that. But not this year. Well, and yeah. when you have a thing uh, like a situation where you have all these different potential outcomes and you need to remedy a solution, when you have something like that that can real quickly with one clear, concise answer remedy something, that simplified aspect really can be undervalued because you can really murky things. And because you decide to use him somewhere else, the opportunity cost affects the impact all 11 that's on there, and now you are taking down your ceiling immediately. But when you're trying to remedy something, if you have an answer and it is only one outcome to align or changing and now having to bring in another player to learn something else, if both are going to be playing a position that possibly could compromise the defense, well, then why take one out of his strength, which was his label, which was your utmost need, and then you can worry about whatever the possible Mm -hmm. deficiency is and then view the conference and start looking, well, what's most optimal? Should we be worried about maybe giving up something in the run or should we really be most focused? What's going to give the money when it's going to be getting to the pass rusher. And that's going to be the thing that's going to get you the money plays that get to the quarterback. And if you're able to do that in that league to where assessing the value of what your engineering, like what your choice of attack is, that's the first mistake you made because you probably made the wrong choice because you took away from the pass defense and the pass mm-hmm. rush to go and maybe help in other areas like along the defense line. Maybe not too smart, but then add on and drop him out and take him out of his most convenient one. Then you're adding in somebody to that situation that isn't as effective and he isn't in his strongest role. So all those outcomes really do murky themselves. This kind of bleeds into the overshone discussion because – you know, I asked Chris Ash about recruiting linebackers and just kind of get a feel for 
I asked Coleman Hutzel the same thing and just mm. kind of get a feel for that position because it's really a unique position in this league because it's not like recruiting the linebacker position in other leagues. And, you know, I I, I actually pulled him. Um, I went back and looked at all the linebackers in the league who were either first or second team all Big 12 picks this oh, last that's year. that's nice. I like that. Um, either by the coaches or the AP. Do you you want to take a wild guess of what the average national twenty four seven sports composite ranking was for those linebackers? I think it was six guys. Mm. Three star. It was like one number one thousand sixty seven. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Devalued You're talking about low end three star. Wow. Like one guy, I think Rodriguez at Oklahoma State was ranked as a dual threat quarterback. The Garrett Wallow at TCU was ranked as a safety. Wow. So the guys that are thriving in this league right now, Gary Johnson, Gary Juco Johnson. guy, track guy, the guys that are thriving in this league at linebacker aren't necessarily the most highly recruited guys. It's guys that are converted safeties or they're track guys, basically guys that can run. Yeah. You've got to have guys at that second level that can run. Because if not, you'll get exposed. That's one of the issues we saw last year with this defense. Your alignment up front compounded the issue that too often you've got Juwan Mitchell and Delia Dayaway on the field at the same time in space. Yeah, Lincoln Riders exposed the hell out of that. Mike yeah. Gundy's gonna expose the hell out of that. I totally agree with you. And it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, I think and I said on my show, I think linebacker right now, if I was a scout before at the elite levels of football, NFL or college, would be the toughest position probably to scout. One of the toughest positions to scout to find. Yeah. Other than quarterback. Yeah. When you think, because I think it's easy to find DBs and wide receivers these days. Almost find the best ones. Yeah, I think D linemen, O linemen are tough too. But man, linebacker, it's really tough to really find a guy that 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 element to that combination of physicality and speed that you need these days, right. and athleticism, a guy that can cover and works well in space, and and is a sound tackler. Man, it's tough. It really is. I agree with you, man. I think this. I, don't, I mean, well, because they aren't going to be put at that position it, these days. Exactly. That's why I think you size. find them by accident almost. Like in the Big Twelve, it's like, man, I just stumbled upon a damn good linebacker. Like, well, one, one of the, the best. One of the best Gary Patterson's had was Traven <clears throat> Howard, who was a converted safety. Who I think they had injuries. It's like, look, he's the closest thing to a linebacker you have at two oh five. He ends up being a first team All Big Twelve guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I talked to Coleman Hutzler about it because we kind of got more into the weeds on it. He's it a fascinating guy. Like we've talked about like his coaching mm-hmm. trees with like Jim Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. Will Muschamp. Got knows ball, huh? Yeah. Ball coach. Dad dad was a coach. So yeah. just the whole the whole deal. He's a fan. And he and I talked about Muschamp for a little bit because anybody knows my affinity for Will Muschamp. Um, we talked about just learning from Muschamp and, and coaching from Muschamp. Blow him blitz, baby. Exactly. <laughs> still going to get Muschamp on the show at some point. But uh, – Anyway, I was talking to him about talking to Coleman Hutzler about recruiting linebackers, and he said that the tough thing about that is you do have to find a balance between guys that can run, but you got to make sure you're not giving up a lot of mass. Because he said it's really tough to look at a 16, 17 year old kid and try to project where his body's going to be in three or four years. Mm -hmm. Number one. And number two, he's like, you can't be so focused on speed that you end up with a room full of 190 pound linebackers. And now in certain games, you're going to be at a massive disadvantage because of the size issue. So it's just there's no there's no easy way to go about it in in this league where, you know, we we we've been talking about it for years, Rod, like the the two hundred and forty pound thumper, he really has no business in the Big Twelve. Unless he's just a freak that can, you know, run four four five or whatever. 
he he doesn't really have a spot in the Big 12. Yeah, and that's why when you're totally recruiting these type of uh, p- positions, the easiest way to look at it is almost to quit looking at the label of linebacker, but you're either going to have a safety that is going to end up overgrowing his body into being a linebacker mm-hmm. or an edge rush that's, or that's a, maybe a deficient yeah. defensive yeah. end. That's a type of guy that has – the athleticism, but you know he's a low end, not your you know top end recruit that's going to be a DN, but the guy that came in like a Rackpo came in, and you don't know what his body type's going to do when he's six foot three, two fifteen as a freshman. You don't know if he's going to end up being a two seventy guy, yeah. but like between those two is what a modern linebacker can almost be. Your traditional bigger linebacker is probably going to come up from the D line. The other ones, the modern pass coverage type linebacker what we see in the big 12 and need is going to be a safety that outgrows his body type to where you almost can't go wrong if you talk about recruiting really good safeties and edge rushers it's what you want and then to understand that you know everybody's going to develop differently and every body type or skill set or Mm -hmm. iq is going to go different but those are already the very valuable ones so focus on them in don't because if you aren't going to have very many linebackers out there and then it's devalued in college, especially even at the recruiting ranks, the same way running back is because you know that you can go and get something that can be elite without it having to be the five star prospect. Now, you would take the five stars if you can get them, but there are very few of those. Mm-hmm. But you seem to back your way into these with these tweener type guys that either go up or spin down. And if you can just focus on guys that are just hyper athletic with the multi-versatile stuff that we talk about. And if you're going to go just err on the side of getting yourself maybe a safety, that might be a little too big. And worst-case scenario, we got a damn good linebacker in the big you got to Yeah, you got to try to find, basically, when you're looking for linebackers, you've you got to try to find your Leighton Van Der Esch. It's really kind of what you're looking for. you got to find him in, like, mm. those places. you got to play eight-man football in Idaho. Yeah. yeah like, that, just, no, you, you've got to find guys, like, if, if if I'm a Big 12 coach recruiting a linebacker and he's not a multi-sport athlete in high school, which tells me I can't get a good look at his functional athleticism, he's yeah. probably off the board for me. Yeah. No, I'm with you. No, I totally agree. You're definitely just recruiting a great athlete who has the body and frame to put on some mass. You know what I mean? That's basically what it is. That's why DeMarvin O'Shawn fits it perfectly. But I think ultimately you want him to be to transcend just linebacker in the yeah. end. Because you'll have B.J. Foster, who you know, we'll, we talked about uh, a little bit, but he's going to have the shoulder surgery. He's going to be a guy that basically plays at linebacker depth a lot of the time too right. as your safety. So, you know, you'll, you'll have that. But I, I like the O'Shawn move. He's got to master at least one position before you start to add, you know, safety to his plate and all these other responsibilities, but I like him starting out at Will Linebacker. So it, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, I want to get to the secondary, Rod, because we talked about Overshaw moving out of the secondary. Yeah. But the move, Anthony Cook's going to get some work at the nickel position. I like it. And we figured one of those two guys, either Anthony Cook or Deshaun Jameson, one of those guys was going to have to get a look they both in that nickel. Well, I, I agree. Yeah. But, Sorry. you know, you're going to have to figure I think one of those guys is going to end up playing predominantly there, and the other one will end up being – Predominantly yeah. corner. And the question I have is this. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But I remember two years ago, the Kansas game up there, they had a sub package late in the game where Anthony Cook is basically playing the nickel and he's blitzing off the hash and doing some other things. And yeah, from that. my recollection, looked pretty good doing it. Mm-hmm. We just didn't, didn't see him in that sub package role, yeah. I don't think, before or after. 
I agree with you on that. Uh, I remember that too, and I think we we talked about it. it was different than you know the cornerback position and also the nickel position. I think nickel is the toughest position to play in the secondary, or this the slot corner toughest position to play in the secondary. So you do want to be able to have options there. That's why I like that. You know, I hope they're using both Deshaun Jameson and Anthony Cook. If I was the DB coach, I would have Deshaun Jameson probably playing there in the slot. I, I think I think in the Big Twelve, he yeah, is yeah. I think his reaction time. Mm-hmm. I think his um, I think his natural instinct. He's physical for a guy his size. Mm-hmm. I think he fits there naturally better. I think Anthony Cook works a little bit better as a technician on the outside. Mm-hmm. That would fit. To me, their skill sets a little bit better, but I like inter- having them interchangeable, being able to play both. Th- there's a reason the lineage of the nickel position, at least since the air raid has been introduced and made the Big 12 a spread conference, all those guys either get drafted or, or end up playing or having a shot in the league. Yeah, and, and if you've got the I don't punt know, returner in you, yeah. like the skill well, of chaos, like to that be is comfortable true, in it, point. like fashion. You just got great ball skills. I don't just know natural. if there's been a player yet playing that nickel position that hasn't gotten a shot at the NFL because. I think your film and your if you, just to be able to play it, if you earn that spot, the coaches say he can play the nickel. You usually means you're one of the, you're probably the top two, three best players in that secondary, if not the best player. You really are. Even even guys that you would say are on the lower end of that totem pole, guys like PJ Locke and Duke Thomas. Duke Thomas. I mean, NFL, Duke Thomas hey. spent time on the NFL roster. He's got multiple chances in the league. PJ Locke. PJ Locke spent some time mm-hmm. with the Broncos this year. Just signed totally a futures agree. contract. So and these yeah, are all like guys. It's just, it takes a it takes a really rare set of skills to be able to play all play that position. And even Chris Ash talked about it. They got to be able to blitz. They got to be able to play the run. Play the uh, you know inside linebacker. Be a guy that can play man to man coverage on their best slot wide receiver. Not a lot of guys can do. It. You probably got how many guys you think in our secondary can do that right now? Maybe two, three. Uh, I think Jameson I, Cook. I think Caden Stearns probably could do it if you wanted yeah. to do it. I, I I don't doubt he could do it. But I seen B.J. Foster even struggle at that nickel man mm-hmm. trying to cover. It's, it, ain't, it ain't easy. And it just seems not- like it, it seems like they're going by moving Cook there and with Foster out for the spring. To me, Rod, it seems like they're going more of a coverage guy at that nickel position yeah. as opposed to what Todd Orlando was going for. Which when you try to make the puzzle pieces of the Todd Orlando defense fit together. What he was doing with the front, it made sense to have more of a linebacker type body, yeah, the, uh, kind of a big nickel look. But now you're fortifying that defensive front, and that's what Chris Ash talked about. Going going back to the linebacker conversation, I, I asked him about linebacker, and he kind of went on a, the talking a personnel kind of philosophical statement, saying, "Look, they how they want to build this defense. They want a championship caliber defensive line first and foremost. Yeah. Then they got to have guys who can cover on the back end." Once you get those two things figured out, then you're looking for guys at the second level that can run sideline to sideline. Yeah. So I just think guys with coverage skills, that's going to be more important than whereas Todd Orlando might have valued guys who can thump in the run game and blitz. They're just you can you're so dang talented on the back end if you're Texas right now that it can work. But Chris Ash is just going to put a higher premium on other things than Todd Orlando yeah. did. You're talented if those guys are developed, if they use proper technique, if they understand the alignment, the assignment, you know what I mean, all those things. If not, then that defense falls apart really quickly in the Big 12. Yeah. Yes. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it really does. I mean, if, especially if you don't – I mean, I think the D-line thing is going to – because you obviously this recruiting class is a, another uh, shining moment for them on the defense line. But I, I like the defensive line. I like the young development there. Um, but on that back end, you got to be able to, if they're talking about covering man to man, 
um, before the defensive line can get there, and or sorry, so the defensive line can get there, then that's going to be uh, at a premium. That's going to be the big task for him. And talking about the nickel, and really never connected in my mind, but I really think there might be something there because it is the most instinctive position where you have to be comfortable in the chaos. And how much, all the way back from Vasher till the names Jeff just listed off most recently, those are all punt return guys and return men that also are playing in the nickel and are guys yeah. that are comfortable in it's almost instinctive you almost have to be like the neo in the matrix like you don't even have enough time to think it just what you read and what you know in your football iq yep. and your coaching i mean even i mean you can totally look agree. at every single one almost that comes to mind that played in the nfl or is still around and it's something that aligns quite easily so jameson may be one that actually does make a ton of sense and yeah. that may just be an indicator of his football iq and ability to become Comfortable in the chaos. He'd be my first choice. Um, real quick, Rod, Josh Thompson at corner. Do you like it? Do you not like it? What seems do you think? they want physical corners. It seems they may want big physical corners too, and maybe that's why Anthony Cook, who he you know, he's, he's 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 long and but he's a slight kind of guy. He's not a big like physical. Josh Thompson, Jalen Green. Maybe they want guys when they play that shadow coverage, which is basically you know they play quarters coverage, but they want their corners to play uh, up up at the line of scrimmage, bump and runs a lot of times. Maybe they want them uh, before they drop back, before they either carry those wide receivers to get their hands on them, disrupt the timing of the wideouts, and maybe they think they can teach Josh Thompson right proper technique. Yeah. He can be a you know Quentin Jammer type player out there. Not that he's going to be Quentin Jammer, but you know what I mean getting that kind of presence at the line of scrimmage. Those guys with the, with that <clears throat> the body type he's got intriguing me. Guys that are long, oh, yeah, kind of kind of high cut, got the high hips. Dude, I love. I, 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 he's got the perfect DB body. Yeah. to play any position in, in the secondary, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, how you know? It's, speaking, we're talking about Deshaun Jameson. We talk about Chris Ash wants aggressive corners like Deshaun Jameson's like as a coverage guy. Man, he's like that pit bull on the leash. You 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 let him off the leash. He, he's going to run across the neighborhood and knock trash cans over and yeah. have the neighbors calling. And, 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 but you know, he overall he's 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 a good dog. No, he no, just, he's good. Every he's, now and then he gets he, he's overly aggressive. Yeah, he's gonna, he he'll get he'll make more plays than he'll give up. And when he makes a play, they're game changers. Man, he makes awesome plays. Like he's one of those guys. He's got no. He reminds me. Of, he reminds me of Nathan Vasher. I said that before. He's got a lot of nasty so, Nate in him. Matt and I were talking about this with Keontae Ingram before you got here, Rod. And, and kind of Matt was asking me the question because we're going over some numbers. And, and Matt was just kind of like, man, why do people not appreciate Keontae Ingram as much as they should? And I said, well, it's, it's the feast or famine factor. Like his highs, the 100-yard games are mm-hmm. you know are really, really high. I agree yeah. with that. But and the I lows, man, lows the, the lows stand out. Those are like, put Rojo in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, bad. Yeah, I It's agree. like you can either have your 40 yards per game from Trey Watson or you have your volatility, but give me the volatility, but, guy, because you have that chance at explosivity over yeah. the long run. We just yeah. need to add up more and more of it's, those guys overall. It's like we're talking about the quarterback discussion. You almost want the you need your share of boomer bus guys on the field because you you, you you're gonna totally you, you have to gamble on the fact that yeah Deshaun Jameson might give up a touchdown in that same game he he also might get three picks yeah, he might even take one to the house yeah or a punt return to the house like he's yeah. a guy you just got to keep those guys on the field long enough for them to make a play yeah he's got to know sort of football get him I told near him the good. ball yeah that's why I like him at nickel but yeah, get him closer like, to the ball he'll be at nickel or corner either yeah. one. All right, we'll pick up the discussion next week. We I spent uh, you know we had the press conferences. We spent about a half hour total with the new hires. I talked to Coleman Hustler for a while. Talked to Mark Hagan, yeah, Jay Valai, Jay Bowler, Andre Coleman. Great stuff from all those guys. So we'll get into kind of the staff makeup and go forward next week because we got 
a few weeks before we get to spring practice. So uh, it's not. It, it seems like Run it's quick. far away, but it's not that far no, away. No, no, it'll come fast. Yeah. It'll come fast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt. You can get our archives, classic shows, and interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get Longhorn Blitz along with the other Horns 24-7 podcast, State of Recruiting and the Flagship by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast just search horns 24 7 podcast for the horn family for the horns 24 7 family i'm jeff howe thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode you've been listening to longhorn blitz with horns 24 7.com remember for the latest longhorn news 24 7 visit horns 24 7.com okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.